The third Pasuk in the parasha is the Pasuk that's at the top of the sheet. Which means, of course, on the eighth day, uh, the child is circumcised. A male child is circumcised. Now, this Pasuk is uh, um, outstanding in the fact that it really doesn't belong in the parish at all. You know that this parish is about uh, Tzara'at, and that, of course, connects to Lashon Hara, and um, different kinds of Tzara'at, different kinds of afflictions, different kinds of tumor. It starts off talking about the status of the mother after she has a child. And uh, suddenly, there is this Pasuk, uh, this pasuk is perhaps uh, connected. You see the targum Yonatan, the targum which is right, right there. It says biyoma on the eighth day uh, after the child is born, tishtere uvara yitgezar besar arlate. And somehow, the, uh, after the eighth day, the mother can go to the mikveh, and therefore there's a, there's a simcha, the family, and, and therefore the, it's appropriate to do the milah, which is also a simcha. There's some kind of a connection that Chazal make between these uh, two halachot. However, the Archaim, in his rather long discussion of this uh, pasuk, says... Uh, uh, brings up several points. I, I just want you to remember the Archaim uh, uh, lived at the beginning of the 18th century. He was born in 1696, which means that he lived in the 18th century, which was the same time as you know that the Baal Shem Tov lived. And there are many stories, you know, the Archaim was from Morocco. And he ended up in Eretz Yisrael. He ended up in Yerushalayim. And uh, so, of course, this idea that there's some great Moroccan scholar who is, like, friendly with the Baal Shem Tov, of course, has appeal. Which is not to say, I'm not saying that it's not true, I'm just saying it's, uh, it's a story that appeals. Uh, the Orachayim had a very special had a very special place in the in the Jewish intellectual uh, history, <coughs> and uh, he's one of the the book called the Orachayim is one of the books that is called Hakadosh. But when you refer to the Orachayim to the book to the Perush. Uh, of the Orachayim, usually we say Orachayim Akadosh. I don't know who decides that. Who, you know, what academy for language sat down together and said, oh, we'll call this book the Orachayim Akadosh. But all the Jews call it Orachayim HaKadosh. All the Jews. Jews of the East, the Jews of the West, the Jews of the North, the Jews of the South. They all call it Orachayim HaKadosh. He had a famous Talmud in Yerushalayim. His student, he was the Chida. 
the Chida, Chaim Yosef David Azulai, who was also extremely brilliant. Right? Uh, the Chida, who spent much of his life snoring. But nobody knows that he was a snorer. Because while he was snoring, he was also writing svarim of every kind on every aspect of Torah that is imaginable, including an extensive bibliography of the Hebrew books that he saw as he traveled around. Right? And he called that book books, and, and uh, he wrote biographies of the authors. And he was very modern, even though he lived in the... Uh, he lived in the eighteenth um, century. He lived in the eighteenth century. He's very modern person. He wrote a book called Shem Hagdolim, which is a series of short biographies, and it also includes a list of books, books that he saw as he traveled around the world. Why was he traveling around the world? He was snoring for Yerushalayim, for his compatriots in Yerushalayim. Nothing has changed, uh, but he. He was able to write Svarim as he went along. You know, he took a boat ride, he wrote a Sefer, he took another ride, he took another Sefer. That's how, that's how the Chida was. So the Chida's Rebbe was the Archaim. The Archaim uh, wrote a parish on Chumash, which is referred to as the Archaim HaKadosh. And as I told you, I don't know why, but it's, it's a universal... Uh, 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 name. Everybody calls it. All everybody calls it the Orachayim Hakadosh. The other books that are called Hakadosh, if you remember, uh, the second one everybody everybody agrees about. The second one is um, is the Shalom. Right, the Shalom, the Shalom, Shnei Luchot Habrit. Interesting name for a book. And um, the Shalom, that book is also called Hakadosh. Shalom Hakadosh. Now, uh, this this is a great book that was very popular, and people learn from it the tremendous. It's like a compendium of compendia. It contains interpretation and explanations of the Gemara and explanation of Minhagim, and it was the kind of book that people could live with their whole lives. You know, you can take this book and you've got a lifetime enterprise. It happens to also be a very big book. Right? So the Shalom is also called HaKadosh. So the Archai was called HaKadosh. The Shalom is called HaKadosh. Uh, some people say Rashi is called HaKadosh. But there, there are not many that achieve this notoriety of being called HaKadosh. And the Archaim is one of them. The Archaim today is printed in many editions of the Mikraot Gedolot. Right? It's called the standard edition of the Mikraot Gedolot. Uh, uh, the Mosada um, Rav Kook published an edition of Mikraot Gedolot called Torah Chayim. You probably have seen that. It looks different. And everybody wants to be different. So this looks different. And remarkably, it does not contain the Archaim. I think it doesn't contain the Archaim because the Archaim's page is too long. It didn't fit into their, their page setup or something like that. Any event, what? Good, that's what they say. That's what they say, but you know, after all, this is the way it's been for a thousand years. So, I mean, you would think. So, anyway, I want to look at a bit of the Archaim. 
Yerachayim had this way of writing things at great length from time to time. And we're not going to be able to go through the entire Yerachayim. And what's published here in the sheet is only about half of the Yerachayim on this Pasuk. So in any event, the Yerachayim brings us face to face with two interesting problems. With two interesting problems. are problems that you may have heard in, in one way or the other. But uh, uh, let's see how the, uh, how the Archive says that. You see the first line in the Archive. Sarich ladat lama hutrach litzavot lazek. Now that's a pretty, pretty tough-minded question. So the first question is, why did the Torah have to tell us that there's a mitzvah called milah? Of course, that's, uh, my translation is not so good. But you'll see in a minute what he really means. You remember that in Lech Lecha, Avram Avinu was commanded to circumcise himself, to go to B'nai Beito, his son Yishmael, and they all, and that was a Brit, uh, that was, uh, it was called a covenant, and therefore, therefore you would think that it was all there, it was all included in the book of Bereshit. And why does it have to be stated again in this kind of uh, pithy apostle, Gviyom HaShmini, Yimol B'Sar Olato. Okay. V'im L'Hodia, line two. She'tzirich L'Amol B'Yom B'Yom V'Lobalayla. So he says, everybody knows that there are halachot that we learn from this pasuk. For example, the halacha is that you could only uh, circumcise a child of the day the day of the eighth day. But you can't circumcise your the night that precedes the eighth day. Even though we always, we hold that the day begins at the night, but for the mitzvah of milah, the day begins in the day. So that you could only learn from, from this pasuk maybe. Even though, even though, what does it say by the milah of, of Avram Ravinu? Those of you who might remember, the etzem, Hayom Hazeh. And that's an Hayom Hazeh. Sounds like daytime. Doesn't sound like, don't say Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh about the nighttime. I mean, uh, without getting into it, you can either take my word for it or not, but that's what Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh means. Gam Lahodia Afil B'Shabbat. A second halacha that we learn is Shmini. That if the eighth day comes, happens to come out on Shabbat, then you have the milah on Shabbat, even though in doing a milah, you are transgressing several isurim midoraita, right, several isurim midoraita on Shabbat. You're not allowed to do that kind of a chabalah. You're not allowed to make that kind of a wound. And, uh, but, uh, but the Torah says that if, it's, if Shabbat happens to be Yom HaShmini, milah takes precedence over over Shabbat. You know that, that the issue in the Gemara was not whether you could do Mila on Shabbat, but the issue was, can you carry the stuff that you need to do the Mila from one Rishut to another Rishut? There's no Eruf. Right? So imagine that no one even thought for a minute that there was a problem with doing the Mila. There were only the ancillary problems of, of Mila. We got no idea of the Shabbat, because if Hashem wanted to say all of these things, 
So he could have said to Avram Avinu that in the future, Why did you have to have all those psukim in Lech Lecha? And then one lonely pasuk here in the parasha of, of Tazria. That, that he doesn't understand. Uh, so he says that there's a kind of a confusion that might take place you, uh, because after all the, the mitzvah of Mila that Avram Avinu performed was for him specially. He was not of the, the proper age, and it was not the proper time, and we have no indication that it was Shabbat. And so if we only had that story in Lech Lecha, we might make a mistake about how to do it after Avram Avinu. And therefore, it was a good idea, he says, to put it, um, put it here this way. Then he goes on and he says, if you look at 9.9, nine, what he's trying to say is that there's a rationale for trying to say that the Brit Milah of Avram Avinu was different than the Brit Milah forever. Because Avram Avinu, if it was, after all, he didn't do the mitzvah of Milah. Right? That's a famous... He's alluding to the famous question that people ask if Avram Avinu if the avot were mekayim, that's like a sort of Hebrew. Uh, if they, if they, uh, uh, if the avot, Avram Avinu especially, was devoted to all the mitzvot of the Torah, why didn't he do the mitzvah of milah? Why didn't he? Why didn't he circumcise himself? Why did he wait till he was so old and and had a son uh, to to do this mitzvah to do this mitzvah of milah? So, uh, so the answer, uh, the, the answer, uh, there are many different kinds of, there are many different kinds of answers. Uh, one answer is that generally we hold that in mitzvot there's a principle called gadol ha mitzuveh v'oseh mimisha einenu mitzuveh v'oseh. That greater is the person who does it because he's commanded to do it rather than the person who does it, even though he's not commanded to do it. And that's why we say that the Schar, the Rambam says, in Hilchot Talmud Torah, Perek Aleph, Halachot Yud Bet in Yud Gimel, the Rambam says that the Schar that men get for learning Torah is greater than the Schar that women get for learning Torah. Why is that? He says, men learn Torah because they have to learn Torah. And women learn Torah because they like to learn Torah. So when you do something because you like to do it, it's different. It's not quite as, uh, as sharp as it is when you do it because you have to do it. 
Now, of course, the important part of this Rambam that people tend to overlook, which sounds like a snub against women, the important part of the Rambam, I think, is that the Rambam says men and women get schar for learning Torah. That's what the Rambam says. The fact that the schar is, differenti- is differential, that's a word that people like to use today, that since, since the, the fact that the schar is differential is an irrelevancy. Because if somebody goes to yeshiva, and he's in yeshiva 18 hours a day, but he bottles 17 and a half. So who says his schar is going to be greater than the schar of a woman who can learn for an hour or two a day with great seriousness and she uses that hour or two very effectively. So it only means that the schar of a man is greater than the schar of a woman if they're both working at maximum. Right, but we know that that doesn't seem to always be the case, right? It's not always the case that everybody's operating at maximum efficiency when they're learning Torah. So, uh, so that, that's kind of not so, not as important. So, uh, so, Godol HaMetsuva Olosev, so they say in Hasidus, Avinu was nervous because he knew that if he would do the mitzvah of Mila, before he was commanded to do the mitzvah of Mila, he wouldn't be able to do it again. That's like a one-time mitzvah. And therefore, the Ram, uh, Ram Ravidah had to wait until there was a tzivui, because he wanted to do that mitzvah on a higher, on a higher level, unlike Shabbos. You do Shabbos, so next Shabbos, then there's a tzivui, so next Shabbos rolls around. You, know, you didn't lose anything by keeping... You know, by keeping Shabbos. But by doing that, that mitzvah, one-time mitzvah, had a problem. Because he knew that Godol ha-mitzvah ve-oseh, mimisha eino mitzvah ve-oseh. So this is what, this is what the, these are the points that the, um, that the uh, Orachayim raises. Now it's curious to me that the Orachayim did not mention a Rambam in the Perush HaMishnah which really deals with this question. And th- this Rambam is uh, here at, at the, on the second page, Masechet Chulin Perikzayin Mishnevav. The discussion there is about Gid HaNasheh. Gid HaNasheh. Now, I don't know what the Gid HaNasheh is, but when I was a younger teacher, and I was afraid to admit that I didn't know what it was. I used to say it's the sciatic nerve and hope that no one would ask me what that is. But then, that was the first time, you know, after the first time I learned your day, which was many years ago. Then they started putting out these picture books in which they put in pieces of animals. Like I didn't even know which piece it was I was looking at. You know, and, they, and in blue... You could follow the Gida Nashe in the picture. So I still didn't know what it was. And then they offered me uh, a trip to a slaughterhouse to find the Gida Nashe, and I turned them down. So uh, I still don't know what it is. But you know that you can't eat the Gida Nashe. And the reason that we can't eat the Gida Nashe is something to do with Yaakov Avinu, fighting with the angel, right? All of that. So in Chulin, in Masachet Chulin, which is about which is about what you do to an animal in order to eat it. That's called chulin, as opposed to kodshim, 
which is about sacrifice and what you do when you sacrifice an animal sometimes you eat it and sometimes you don't eat it but fulin it's about how you get to eat the kosher animal the animal starts out kosher but you, you know you can't eat it you've got to prepare it, ready it go through a process that enables you to eat it so it says in the Mishnah so this uh, uh, so there's some kind of an issue here in the Mishnah at the end of the Mishnah says so this is like a little bit hard to understand that Gita Nasheh Gita Nasheh was said to Sinai where was it said to Sinai? Gita Nasheh is in Breshit is in Breshit so the Rambam says this you see the Peyush of Mishnah the Rambam the fourth line the first word the Rabban Perish of Mishnah, if not many, uh, a, a not insignificant number of times, says, Klal Gadol. You know, there are rules. There are rules that you can, with which help you to understand Torah. What's the rule? Simli Bchale Klal Gadol Hazem Uvabe Mishnazo. Vuhu Amaram. That the prohibition that we carry around with us against eating the Gita Masheh, that was given to us at Har Sinai. What about Yaakov Avinu? Nice story. What about the prohibition? Also nice. What about the fact that the Torah says that people didn't eat the Gita Masheh? Very nice. They eat the Gita Masheh. You know, some people don't like scrambled eggs. They didn't eat the Gita Nasheh. Why don't we eat the Gita Nasheh? Because HaKadosh Baruch what He gave us, the Torah said, it's in there. It's a prohibition. And when did HaKadosh Baruch give us the Torah? That was the Sinai. That's the difference. We don't do mitzvot that sprang out of history. Although we do things that come from history. But that's not called a mitzvah. Mitzvah means it was given to us Sinai, even if it's exactly the same thing as we've been doing for the last hundreds of years, for whatever reason. But that doesn't make it a mitzvah. So he says, The Rambam goes on. The Rambam, I can't say that this is the Rambam's golden tongue because he wrote this in Arabic. So, but that's what people tend like to say. They like to say, the Rambam had a golden uh, pen. What they mean is that they understand what the Rambam said. Right? Which is really a remarkable thing. I mean, sometimes people write things, you can't understand what they're saying. But the Rambam, you wrote things and it, you could understand them. You could actually understand what he's saying. Today, right, like uh, a thousand years later, the Rambam is still readable. He's still readable. Tanakh, very hard for us. Right? I mean, more or less, we can get the idea, but if you want to know what every word means, it's not so easy for us. But the Rambam, terrific. The Rambam is terrific. So listen to what the Rambam says. He says, I mean, the first wide line, he says, there are no mitzvot that precede Moshe Rabbeinu. There are events that precede Moshe Rabbeinu. 
but all mitzvot were given to Bnei Yisrael at Har Sinai. Ella, mipnei she Moshe asar aleinu eva bin hachai. Bameshen itztaveh b'Sinai she yishaev meiv min hachai asur. But as far as we, when we came to Har Sinai, it's as though you say we were standing before Har Sinai, and you would have taken a poll. How's it going to turn out for Eber Menachai? I mean, we're going to be able to eat it or not going to be able to eat it? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. So HaKadosh Baruch said, don't eat Eber Menachai. Don't eat the Gid Anosha. All of that comes from Sinai. V'chein eno the Malim. And similarly, he said, we don't, we don't uh, circumcise our children. In imitation, so to speak, of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, what God did, what God told him to do. That doesn't mean that God would tell us necessarily to do the same thing. And it was it was Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He, uh, who told Moshe Rabbeinu to tell us that we should do it, we should do it to mitzvah, we do it the way Avram Avinu did it. But not, it's not the same thing, it's not the same command that Avram Avinu had. It's not Yaakov Avinu who told us about Gid Anasheh, but it's Moshe Rabbeinu who told us about Gid Anasheh. Okay. So we see, we see that, uh, that this Pasuk appearing in the Torah after Matan Torah, this Pasuk tells us something about, according to the Rambam, about the Tzivuyim, the commandments of the Torah. And all the commandments in the Torah come from Sinai. They come to us in Sin- from Sinai, even if it's something that we've already done. We've already been doing it for hundreds of years. That's not why we're doing it from this day on. So we have an understanding. We have an explanation. The first thing that, that, the, that the Orachim was concerned to explain to us was why this Pasuk appears out of place. Why the Pasuk appears at all? After all, we have the entire story of Avram Avinu and the Pasha of Lech Lecha, and there is no reason... There is no reason to have the Pasuk appear again. So we learn something very essential about Torah. That Torah is not just an imitation of life, so to speak. It's not something that happened in the past that we commemorate. That's something else. Right? That's something else. Torah is what we were directed to do at Har Sinai. And even if what the Torah tells us to do, Har Sinai, is, is based on a real-life event, like keep Pesach because you left Mitzrayim, nevertheless, we do it, not because it happened, but we do it because the Torah tells us to do it. Which is not to say that if the Torah did tell us to do it, that we wouldn't do it. Maybe we would do it anyway. But, but that's the way it is. So this is the first topic that the Orachayim that the Orachai concerns himself with and tries to explain to us. I'll go back to the Orachai and we'll go to the second topic. Line 30. If you look at line 30. 
He says, he quotes a Medrash Tanchuma and Tazria, B'zel and this is what it says in the Midrash. Sha'al is Rufus HaRosha at Rabbi Akiva. This is like a good story. Turn is Rufus HaRosha. Turn is Rufus HaRosha. Well, Rufus was the name of the um, Roman prefect. It was like a title, like governor. And he had some Roman name, but the Jews called him Turnus for some reason, right? Which you can, if you look it up, you'll find out what the reason was. So Turnus Rufus of Rasha, who was the governor, and who was a bad guy, he was the Rasha, because he did bad things to the Jews. He said, he went and he spoke to Rabbi Akiva. Now this, of course, you know, you could make a lot of hay out of this, how Rabbi Akiva is wasting his time talking to Turnus Rufus and... Uh, about the Jewish-Gentile relations. Okay, it depends what you're, uh, what you're into. But we're into the content right now. We're into the content rather than... Because in the Medrash itself, there are three or four different uh, sources in which different names are used. Rabbi Akiva is not the only person who has this honor, as we will see. So what did Tunis Rufus say to Rabbi Akiva? Ezuma asimna in. Shel HaKadosh Baruch or Shel Basar Vadam? That's a good question, right? Then if you're a thinking person, you'd say like, what, who did a better job in this world? God or man? Now if you turn the page and you look at what are the other forms of this Midrash, Breshit Rabbah Parashiyud Aleph, Right? Um, no, maybe maybe Tazria. Yeah. You see at the bottom of the page? You have to go to the next page. Page three is the continuation. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six lines to the top. The last two words on the line. Ma'asesheshaal. You see that? Ma'asesheshaal. So it says, Rufus This is, I'm reading to you from the Tanchuma and Parashat Mitzorah. Right? Which is what the, uh, the Orachayim uh, is quoting. But it's a look a little bit different, different here. He says, Ezema Simnaim, Shel HaKadosh Bohu, O Shel Basar Vadam. says, who, who did a better job in putting the world together? God? Or man. And we don't even understand the question, right? Don't say so he'll explain. So Rabbi Akiva immediately said, Naturally, we did a better job than God did. So Tortus Rufus, he's like the Fromak. And he says, you mean, what do you mean, a good man make heavens and earth? I mean, only God could make heavens and earth. How can you say, God, that man did a better job than God? What does that mean? He says, no, let's not compare something that is beyond our power. Something that we, we don't have shlita over. Something we don't have dominion over. Of course man can't make heavens in the earth, but then there's nothing to compare. But then let's take something which is comparable. 
by what's comparable. Ella emod varim shehem mitsuyim adam. Ask me about things that are found in people, that people can also do. So he said to him, he turned his rufus, or he had a philosophus, or whoever it was. Lama atem molim. He says, why, are you, uh, why do you circumcise your children? Amalei Rabbi Akiva said, I knew that this is the question you get asked. This already, in debates, this is a trick. You always say, I knew you were going to ask that question. Even if you didn't even imagine it. Ever. So I knew you were going to ask that question. That's really so silly. I can't even imagine. I, I had hoped that you would be able to avoid it. That's a trick. And then you just keep talking because you don't know the answer to the question. You've never confronted such devious teachers, I see. So he says, I knew that you'd ask me this question. And that's why I told you immediately that what man does is greater than what God did. Rabbi Akiva brought this philosopher, or Tunis Rufus, Shibalim, stalks of wheat, and gluskaot. You just we just did psachim. We don't gluskaot are the fear of every Jewish housemaker, housewife, house person. Why gluskaot a little? Delicious cakes. And what will happen? The Gemara says if on Pesach you happen to find a little delicious cake at home, now wouldn't that be just the most awful thing you could imagine? But the Gemara imagined it. He brought him wheat, stalks of wheat, and he brought him little cupcakes. Right? I would say entomins, but it's not Chol of Yisrael. She says, She believed Luskaot. Omalei, Eilu Maseh HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Eilu Maseh Yedei Adam. He says, Look, God made the wheat, and we made the cupcakes. What's better, the wheat or the cupcakes? Omalei, these are surely much more uh, pleasant than the stalks of wheat. And now he asks the ultimate question, which is, Beholzot! Even if you say that the Maaseh Adam are greater than the Maaseh Lakim, that the cupcakes are better than the stalks of wheat, and therefore you have to say that the child who is circumcised is better than the child who is born. So if that's the truth, then why didn't God just make everybody circumcised? Why, wasn't every, all the, why aren't all the children born the way they should be. Instead of, like, he didn't ask the question about cupcakes. 
You know, even though the Gemara says, the beggar says, that in God Eden, the trees grew finished edible food. Right? They didn't just grow things that you had to make into something. But, but the trees grew loaves of bread. Right? Oh, I guess whole wheat. You know, so, uh, I guess. It was just grew, everything grew on the trees. So that, that, that's what's Gan Eden. Gan Eden also, the Gemara says, that amongst other Rishon, that he was born circumcised. So Tunis Rufus says to Rabbi Akiva, Tunis Rufus says to Rabbi Akiva, if this is really better, that should have been the intention of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in creating the world. And if that would have been the intention of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in creating the world, then Tertus Rufus says, every child should be born, should be born circumcised. So what does, what does Rabbi Akiva say? What does Rabbi Akiva say? Amali Rabbi Akiva, two lines from the end, Vilama Sharu say Imo. So just how come the the shilya uh, the yeah, yeah comes out with the baby and you have to cut it off? Zmasha Taomer Lamani Otsei Mahul the Vishalonatana Kurish Bogha da Mitzwagli Israel El Saref Otam Bahem. Ulakahama David call Imrat Hashem Sufa. So Rabbi Akiva has this idea. Rabbi Akiva has this idea, and he answers Tunas Rufus, he answers the philosopher with this idea. That we, in, in making ourselves, in becoming, have to be responsive to God's wish. So God decided that we should be born needing circumcision, and then gave the command to circumcise the children. And by circumcising the children, even though God could have made all the children, all the male children uh, circumcised, could have created them circumcised, nevertheless, God is giving us the opportunity, it's a kind of a chesed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us to make the world right by following a mitzvah. So in this story, in this story, you can see the way, uh, the, way the Archaim tells the story, etc. In this story, in this story you have the kind of a, a, a conception or a, a notion about mitzvot. That mitzvot very often are about fixing the world. Like, in order to get the shibolim into becoming a cupcake, there are a lot of mitzvot that you have to, a lot of tachanot, tachanot of mitzvot that you have to pass through in order to get a cow that is roaming in the field to become a stake, there's a lot of enterprise we call the mitzvot. One of the ways to recognize mitzvot is the fact that we make brachot. So when somebody does shechita, when somebody slaughters the cow, he makes a bracha. When somebody makes a dough out of the wheat, they have to take challah and they make a, they make a bracha. If the, if the shear is the proper of the proper shear. But I mean is that, the, that the, what we recognize, we can recognize that as we process things, we make brachot from time to time. Brachot means that we're responding 
to a direct command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what did Rabbi Akiva say? I just said to, to Turtus Rufus, he says, yeah, it's true, God could have made the world with loaves of bread, with circumcised children, with cows that didn't have a gita nasheh. All of that could have been. But then we would be lacking. We would be lacking the opportunity to do a mitzvah. So this, I think, this, I think, is a, we could call this theology. Right? We call it theology. This is the way Rabbi Akiva thought about it. And, and, and of course, he needed Tudus Rufus to be a straight man for him, because only, because, because the Jews were all learning Torah. I mean, they would never ask a question like this. You know, they were too worn out trying to figure out, what do you do if, if the baby is born, right? That were, when is the eighth day? They had that time for this kind of uh, talk. So you needed a tourist Rufus who would come along and say, look, you know, we don't learn too much Gemara, but we have this question. Right? And so, and only Rabbi Akiva was able to deal with that question because he, Rabbi Akiva, he had an ideology. And his ideology was that mitzvot kamlitzareif et habriyot, that they come to purify us, to make us better, to give us an opportunity. And especially those mitzvot that indicate that we are, we have something to do with the creation of the world, with the way the world is. So that uh, all of those mitzvot that we do that fall into that category, like Milan, like, uh, like Gidon Hashem, like Shita, like, uh, like uh, taking challah, all of those mitzvot, Trubot the Masrot, before we take the challah, right, Trubot the Masrot, and then challah, etc. until we make hamotzi on the bread and then we have to say berkat hamazon so all of these brachot that we make all these brachot that we make we make because God gives us this opportunity with saref et habriyat so all of this exists this starts out we looked at the archaim and then we looked at the he quoted the tanchuma in Mitzorah and then we saw we looked at the tanchuma ourselves we saw the discussion between Rabbi Akiva and Tudus Rufus, in the other, uh, in the Medjish Rabbah, if you look back on page two, the Medjish Rabbah says, Philosophus Echad Sha'alad Rabbi Hoshia. But he asked the question in a different way. He said, Amar leim chavivahi bila, Rebnei ma'lo nitna la'adam ha'risho. It's as if Mila is such a, such a big deal, and such a, a desired mitzvah, how come, how come Adam Arishon didn't have to do this mitzvah? Amar lei. Mepnei ma'o toha ish v'galeach pe'atroshot. He says, I don't understand. He says, instead of answering directly, he answered him indirectly. He said, how come, how come that guy shaves his head? Umaniach et pe'at zikano. And he lets his beard grow. Right? That was a style. Right? In, uh, I don't know where. But you know, they, you ever see these, uh, they call them bas reliefs of Abyssinian kings? No, I guess you didn't. Well, it's okay. It's like not as good as a good movie. But the next time you're in the British Museum, you can go down to the basement. The basement of the British Museum has all the stuff that's too big to display. It's very interesting. So they have these things, you know, the Abyssinians, they all had these, uh, we call them Ashurim. 
Assyria, right? They had big beards, men had big beards, but no hair on their heads. They thought that was the way it should be. The Jews today have more or less the same, right? But they, they, all, they all have beards and eventually they lose their hair on their heads. So. But there it was more determined. So he said, Ramosha said, how come, how come this guy is shaving his head and growing his beard? Amar gadal imo bishtut. Shtut means when he was a child. Shtut means foolishness, right? But gadal imo bishtut means that he had hair on his head when he was born. Right? But, but a beard, that's something hoshev. You know, that only came to him when he gained intelligence and maturity. So, of course, when you grow up, you want to forget the shtut and promote the sagacity. Right? So he shaves his head and he, and he takes care of his beard. Obale. Well, he had a few other things when he was born. He also had hands and le- arms and legs and, uh, and, um, and arms and legs and eyes. So why does he knock out his eyes or cut off his arms or cut off his legs? What kind of stupid idea is that? So that, that Rabbi Hoshia said, yes, you know, there are things that are created that you can't change. But there are other things that you can change. And if you change them a little bit, we change it a little bit, they become very useful. So if you take mustard, again, I keep saying, talking things I don't know anything about, but if you take mustard seeds and you don't do anything, you just eat them, so it's not so pleasant. But if you sweeten them a little bit, then you can eat them. Right, then you can eat them. They're still bitter, but you can eat them. And then the, these turmosin are some kind of, also kind of things that grow in the ground that are very bitter. And you make them sweet, he says, and a chitin if you have stalks of wheat, you have to grind them up. You can't use them. You can't make flour out of stalks of wheat. Afilo adam sarich tikun. Afilo adam sarich tikun. Meaning, we're getting back to the thing we started with, which was mila. How come? How come man is not born? How come man is not born circumcised? Question. Answer. The way that God created the world was that a lot of things in the world have to be fixed before they are useful. Right? You can't eat mustard without fixing it. You can't eat the turmusin without fixing them. And you can't be a man without being fixed. Afilu adam sarich tikun. So the difference between Rabbi Shaya, the difference between Shaya and uh, Rabbi Akiva is that Rabbi Akiva said that the mitzvot come let to purify man, and Rabbi Oshio said that the mitzvot come letaken to fix them. Now, to to kind of wind down this discussion, I would like to go over quickly with you 
Rav Nossin on this question, right? Rav Nossin, the Talmud of Rav Nachman of Braslev. This is what he had to say. So let's try to follow. It's not numbered, but we'll try to follow. We should understand it all now. And we know what, we, we, we've heard this Midrash, right? This is the Midrash Rabbah, this is Rabbi Oshia, this is uh, Rabbi Akiva. The Minim asked. Right, which Midrash is he talking about? Rabbi Oshia. Right, talking about Rabbi Oshia, Rabbi Rabbah. Hakol tzarich tikun, haturmusin tzarich tikun, hachitin tzarichin tikun, hainu kanal, ki bechrech shadam yiye nivra im ola, v'anachdu bola mazen, etakera tzmeinu hangei mitzvat milah. So he says that that must be what the Medrash means, that we are born imperfectly, and therefore we can fix ourselves somehow, and that's a good thing to do. That's how the world, that's the way the world was created, and that's the demand that the world has upon us. This is, sounds a little crazy to me. If there's a choice between making a perfect world or an imperfect world, then you would think God would make a perfect world. Why is it better for God to have a world in which there's a joker? You know the joker? That's us. We're the joker. Maybe we'll do what we have to do. Maybe we won't do what we have to do. Why would God create such a world? Why not create a world in which it's not up to us? Everything works out more or less as it should. So there's no joker. So Rabnosan says, the third line, it must be. It's not a chancy thing. And that we in turn have to fix ourselves. He says, why don't you think of it this way? Bria, Bria. We don't understand why God created the world. But after that original creation, every further act of creation, every child that is born in the world, in all the years of the world's existence, what schut did that child have? That gave him the right, the privilege, to be born. He says, he says, the child is born, it's a matnat chinam. It's like chesed. That child has absolutely no uh, uh, merit. Nothing. He gets it for nothing. He gets life for nothing. Shemisham achizat ha'atzbut... Mekabel means like you get stuck. Right? So there's a notain and there's a Mekabel. But the Mekabel doesn't give anything. 
He only gets. So every child that's born is like, like being born with, with chesed. God said, okay, there could be another child. But the child doesn't bring anything to the table. They don't need to say for himself. That's where atzbut nervousness and din come from. So he has this this idea, this idea that that uh, that uh, sexual misdemeanor, the sexual misdemeanors, that's the pigam habrit. That that's something. You remember Yosef managed somehow to stay away from a, 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 a sexual a, a deficiency. And uh, on the other hand, in the time of Adam Harisha, and after all, Adam and Chava were brother and sister. There was no such thing as a, as a sexual offense, right? It didn't, it, it didn't happen. There was no, no such, there was no such possibility. He says, but our law for gamma breach of Bishinata Zvuchu Yitav Gamma Breach Kubadi Vera Benu Sikhodoli Bracha Bikama Mikomot Shitikuna Brit Ubichinat Simcha. He says, I won't get I won't be too involved in this, but you understand that Rav Nachman somehow thought that if we could uh, raise ourselves above our dependency sometimes on uh, on sexuality that that would be great, that that would be a purifying act. And therefore he created this, uh, uh, this tikkun that, uh, that Bratzlavas uh, want to say at every opportunity, which consists of, of ten prakim of, uh, of tehillim. So now, Umachamacha Adam, I'm more or less three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think nine or ten. Machamacha Adam Bitchilat Yitzirato Hu Bibchinat Mikabel. Ki Eilo Shumshut Adai. There was the way he understands, the way he understands things is that God created the world. We don't have to explain why. We don't know why God created the world. But God created the world. Now, that doesn't mean that the ongoing creation of the world can be maintained without merits, without people deserving the world to be uh, as it is. But what about the child? Where does the child get this from? That we do it ourselves. This is the opportunity, the first opportunity that you could have to give a child a schut is, is Brit Mila. So the way he understands it is that the mitzvah of Mila, if we agree with Rabbi Akiva, that all the mitzvot come mitzarefe tabriot, to purify them. Or if we agree with Rabbi Oshio, that the mitzvot come litakein, to fix things. The mitzvah of Mila is special. 
The question, of course, is why the Torah said Biyom Hashmini. The Torah should have said immediately upon the birth of the child. So they have some answer for that, some medical medical answer. It says, Before that, before the Brit Milah, he's not a person at all. He says, Selem Dumut Adam. When we say that man is created with Selem Elohim, we're talking about circumcised man. So you see that Rav Noson of Nemerov had a different idea when it came to the mitzvah of Milah. It was not the general category of Litzarefet Abriot, because that applies to all the mitzvot in the Torah. If you stop what you're doing and you do a mitzvah, that gets you thinking about yourself and your relationship to heaven in a different way. That's Litzarefet et Abriot. And if you say that the whole world needs tikkun, that that's the nature of things, that the wheat has to be made into cupcakes, and the mustard seeds have to be made into something edible, right? even if you say all of, all of that, and you put milah into that category, that did not satisfy Rav Nosson of Nemerov. And what bothered Rav Nosson of Nemerov was, the Bayom Hashmini. That after all, after all, there's a choice. And the choice was given to Yishmael, who at the age of 13 was circumcised. And because of that, the, the religion, the Islamic religion, the Islamic religion accepts the mitzvah of Milah, but accepts the mitzvah of Milah at age 13. So that the svara is, the svara is that like all mitzvot, when a person does a mitzvah, it's a very important that he should accept the mitzvah, that he should know what he's doing, that he should make the bracha. The Jews had a different take on it because of this pasuk. means this mitzvah is extraordinary. This mitzvah is different. And so Rav Nosson of Nemerov wanted to know why is this mitzvah so different. And he said his answer was that the way the Torah sees the world, the way the Torah sees the world, creation is always, definition of creation is merit. You merit to be. There's a merit in your very existence. And even though sometimes it seems to us that, that Am Yisrael is, uh, is defective or derelict in fulfilling his obligations, the fact that we exist, the fact that we exist as a nation, is a response to the fact that we deserve to be a nation. Well, it couldn't be otherwise. If we didn't deserve to be a nation, it would not be. And therefore, Rav Nosson says the only Jew that does not have, that doesn't, because even a child, 
Once he's able to, to learn about mitzvot, has merit. Even a child, once he's able to learn a little Torah, has merit. Which child has no merit? The child from the day that he's born until he can start learning Torah. What gives him the right, Rav Nossin says, what gives that child the right to exist? So the Torah said, the Torah said, Biyom Hashmini Yimol Bisar Arlato. It's the Mila, it's the circumcision which gives the child the merit with which to exist until he can accrue for himself other meritorious other meritorious acts. And in fact, in fact, this mitzvah is so important because it, it places such a great stress, places such great stress on the continuation of things, on the being of things, on the, on the pru'urvu that's necessary for that creation. This mitzvah, this mitzvah, even though it's performed by the father, or by the Mohel, or by the Beit Din, depending on who, uh, who is around. Even though this mitzvah is performed by others, the fact that this child has become the bearer of the sign, of the oath, which rep represents the Brit, the covenant between HaKadosh Bofu and Avro Avinu, that is the merit that he has to have in order to to continue to exist. His existence is validated, it's justified, it's correct, it's there because he was willing, he the child, is in a world that saw this mitzvah, doing this mitzvah, as something, something important. So what you have Nasser has done, I think, if you want you can take a look at it over Shabbos, it's not so hard. Nasser was the one who separated the mitzvah of milah from all the other mitzvot. He says, not only is the mitzvah of milah, as we said before, something's giving me Sinai, and it's not Avram Avinu, but it's, it's us, we accepted the Torah, but the mitzvah of milah is the only mitzvah that's done by Yom Hashmini. I mean, there's no other mitzvah that's done to a baby. I mean, it's so odd. It's so odd that we have such a tremendous respect for doing the mitzvah of your own free will. Doing the mitzvah because you understand that it's a mitzvah. That's every single mitzvah. We say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elkeinim Elech HaOlam, Hashem Kedishadu, Mitzvotat, Vitzivanu. Every mitzvah, that's what you have to think in your head. And here we are, it's losing that opportunity, losing that which was maintained by others. You can't say that it, it couldn't be. It could be, right? Because, uh, because in, in other communities, other religions, they do it that way. But we don't do it that way. And Rav Nassim explained to us how you can have a mitzvah for someone who doesn't know what a mitzvah is. And his answer is that you need a merit. And the merit of belonging to the community that accepted the Torah of Sinai and Sinai through the circumcision, that merit is sufficient to justify the creation of the child. Have a good Shabbos.